Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. Something that struck me while we were singing that first song, the word amen, kind of sang it over and over again, amen, amen, amen. You know, if you don't, um, if you haven't, you know, kind of done any kind of study, the word amen just kind of sounds like end or like thin, you know, at the end of a movie or something. And, but it actually means something. It means uh, like, let it be, or so be it. Um, it. It's like a, it's an agreement, right? So it's kind of like a stamp of approval, if you will. Um, and so on Good Friday, um, for those of you guys who joined us, we we had uh, a devotional about the words that Jesus spoke on the cross at the the end. Where it says that he um, that he re- realized that everything was fulfilled according to Scripture. At that point, everything had taken place. Everything was done. He had finished his mission, and then he says, "It is finished." And because of him saying, "It is finished," when we say, "Amen." <clears throat> It is because of what Jesus did on the cross and really what we're going to talk about today that we can say amen with confidence, knowing that when we agree with what God wants, it will be done. And so that means that everything in our lives, one of the things we said was that everything that scripture says about us as his children is, is, is not an opinion. It is fact. It is done. And therefore, when we say amen, what we're really doing is posturing our hearts to agree with what's already spoken. And so when we sing a song that says, amen, 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 what we're doing is we're actually telling our hearts to get in line with what already is true. So thank you, Aubrey and Cam, for singing that. That was um, fantastic and wonderful. I love just um, just this time of worship that we have. And so I'm going to go right in uh, to our uh, message this morning. Um, you know, the last six weeks, we have uh, been in this message series called Redemption. And it's really been about exploring the theme of redemption throughout the entire story of the Bible. And we discovered that God's story is a story of redemption, his redemptive love for creation, for his creation, that ultimately leads us all the way to the cross of Jesus Christ, where he emphatically stated, it is finished. The power of sin is broken because of the cross. And we have been redeemed. We have been set free because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. But there is so much more to redemption and God's redemptive plan than what was done just through the cross. And what happened on Easter Sunday over 2,000 years ago tells the rest of the story and why we celebrate today. And so today's message, if Good Friday's message was called, It Is Finished, Today's message is entitled, It Has Begun. If, if Friday's message was, it has finished, the, working, the marking of the words that Jesus spoke of, today's message is called, It Has Begun. You know, one of my most favorite themes um, in all of the Bible is restoration. Um, I think, I think I, I, over the years, I've talked to people, and there seems to be themes in certain Christians' lives about areas of the Bible or, or the concepts of faith that really grab people. Um, you know, obviously I believe in all of it, but there are certain aspects of, 
of faith in Christ that that really speaks to me. And maybe it's because of my background, or maybe like for you, it's different, whatever. But for me, the idea of God restoring things, I love it. It's like my favorite thing that God takes something that's broken and he restores it. I remember um, this an image, the, the, the day I gave my life to Christ. And actually, um, it probably was was the moment that the thing that God used to draw me to him the most. So real quickly, you know, most of you, many of you know my, a little bit of my backstory, my story when I was growing up, but I, a series of choices and consequences had led me to a place where I felt like my life was busted and broken into a million pieces. And one year I was, uh, my parents sent me to like a, a Christian um, summer camp thing. And I was just a jerk the whole time. And I remember at the end, like close to the end of the week, um, there was just this message that was really speaking to me. And I was sitting in the back and, um, and I was just kind of, I don't know, just sort of reflectively sitting there. And this camp counselor who I had been mean to all week came up and just started, laid his hand on my shoulder and started praying uh, just over me and for me. Um, I was not praying along. And he just started saying this. I don't know how he, how he had I can only say, I just think that God gave him something for me. And so he just started talking about that. He just, that he saw my life as like a, a jar or a vase that was shattered on the floor. And there were like pieces of glass everywhere. And, and he just, and he said, but God is taking your life and he's pulling it back together and making that vase, you know, like, like back again. And in that moment, I just, I felt something that I had not experienced ever before. I felt this the love of God in a way that spoke to me in such a way that my life will not always be broken, that I will be made whole. And from that day forward, I have loved the idea of God restoring broken things. I love that God restores broken things. And so Revelation 21, 5, Revelation 20, 21, verse 5 might be my favorite verse in the entire Bible where Jesus says, look, I am making everything new. I am making everything new. I love it. Why would I? Of course, because I love restoration. And this is Jesus emphatically saying, right? Just like he emphatically said, it is finished. He like declares his business, his job. The one thing that he does now, in addition to so many others, is to make everything new. And so Good Friday is about righting the wrong and paying the ransom that sin demands. That's what Good Friday is about, right? Righting the wrong and paying the ransom that sin demands. But Easter Sunday is about breaking the curse of sin and death and setting in motion the restoration of all creation back to its original intent and purpose. That's what Easter is about. Easter is about breaking the curse and setting in motion the restoration of all creation, including us, back to its original intent and purpose. And if you've grown up, you know, in the church, if you've, um, if you've been around a Christian sort of setting, you probably heard the resurrection account many times. But if you're like me, you may not have considered the importance of Jesus actually physically rising from the dead. Actually physically rising from the dead. And this was a this was actually a point of contention. It was, a, it was something that, that the Apostle Paul wrote about 
It was something that the church councils in early years of the church history had to actually emphatically declare that it did take place physically because there were people um, and, and who, who felt like it wasn't happening. And so there was, there's, there's a significance and important to it. And so on this Resurrection Sunday, I want to read <clears throat> the famous account, and I want to explore the significance of Jesus actually physically rising from the dead and see how it actually impacts us today and what it has accomplished and what it is doing still. Would you guys turn with me to Luke chapter 24? <clears throat> if you have your Bibles, open them up to Luke 24. We're going to begin reading here in verse 1. It's going to be reading 1 through 8. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. That's the CSB. If you have a Bible app, um, you could probably change your translation to follow word for word for me. But Luke chapter 24, this is um, the third gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke in the New Testament um, to chapter 24, verse 1, begins by saying this. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, so the first day of the week was Sunday, they came to the tomb. Who's they? Well, if you read in Luke chapter 23, you realize that Jesus had been crucified because uh, it was about to be sundown on Friday, which is the, uh, the beginning of the Sabbath of Saturday. So sundown Friday until sun up, uh, until, sorry, sun up on Sunday morning is the Sabbath, right? Which means they weren't allowed to do anything. So they just kind of put Jesus in a tomb, they wrapped him up, and they were like, well, we're just going to have to come back on Sunday and take care of the rest. So that was what happened. So the women, it says that the ladies, the women, I love that, by the way, the first people to see Jesus are women um, and declared the resurrection. So we're going to see that. But anyway, so it says they came. So Sunday morning comes. Can you imagine that, by the way? Can you imagine how long, how you would feel knowing that your Savior is seeing it? For those of you who watched The Passion of the Christ this weekend, like, Having just witnessed this grisly, gruesome, violent, you know, like, like account and knowing that the one that you love, the one you spent all of your time with and gave your entire like life to for the last three and a half years, you just went through that and knowing that you can't even give them a proper burial for two and a half days, three days. I mean, think about that. So like they, they get there very early in the morning, as early as allowed, as early as possible, according to the law, they run, they get there, right? So they come to the tomb bringing the spices they had prepared to like embalm and to, you know, properly bury him. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. This is a heavy stone. Tradition says it was chained up. It was like completely barred and there were guards there. Like they wanted to make sure that there was no way that anybody was getting this guy out of here because they knew that Jesus had said that he was going to rise, right? So they found that stone rolled away from the tomb. They went inside, but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed, of course, I would be too, about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. I love the word dazzling there. I feel like sequins, like, you know, just like, hey, whatever. So the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. They were terrified. I mean, I, I don't know. I've never been in a circumstance like this where you're expecting one thing and all of a sudden some kind of like supernatural entity shows up and you're just, you know, these angels are there, right? Like bright, shining, dazzling. I think the word there is like that it was like blinding, right? And they're, they're just, they were terrified that, you know, this is not what they're expecting. So they bow down to the ground and the angels say to them, and I love this, why are you looking 
for the living among the dead. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? I look how the angels, they talk like, duh, like, hello. Jesus did the same thing to the disciples when they were in the boat, you know, and they were like, and they were like, the storm was coming and they're freaking out and Jesus is in the back taking a nap. And the, the disciples are, are like, Jesus, we're going to die. Oh my gosh. And then Jesus gets up, handles the, handles the, the storm and comes back and goes, why do you guys have such little faith? Like, I love that, like, there's a space of, like, of authority, right? The angels clearly know who Jesus is. So to them, they're like, why are you, why are you looking for a dead guy here? Like, like, they understand, but us as humans, right, we need reminders, and we need to, like, really be reminded and think about it. And, and so, why are you looking for the living among the dead, asked men? He is not here, but he has risen. He is not here, but he has risen. I'm going to unmute everybody here for a second because um, unmute all. Okay, try to unmute everybody. I want to go through just a real quick exercise. We're teaching our kids this this morning. There's a longstanding tradition of when a Christian says to another Christian, he is risen. The proper response back is, he is risen indeed. indeed. Yes. So I'm going to say he is risen to you, and I want us to all emphatically declare back that he is risen indeed, because we're going to continue that longstanding tradition today. You guys ready? He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. And this is something that Christians would say to each other throughout the years when they would go places. It's something that they would say to each other when in moments where they would um, if they were they were not sure if they were it was safe to say that they were a Christian, and that little fish symbol that you've seen places that was also another symbol that was used to kind of say hey in certain situations or circumstances where you don't know like if it was outlawed to be a Christian or to be a public you know declaration of of, of faith in Christ these are ways that they would let each other know that this is a safe space he is risen he is risen indeed you're free to mute yourselves if you'd like again so the the angels said he is not here but he has risen remember how he spoke to you so he's like okay i get it you guys need some kind of a uh, of a of a reminder remember how he spoke to you when he was still in galilee saying it is necessary that the son of man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men be crucified and rise on the third day and then it says and they remembered his words so it was like they were overcome by grief they were overcome by the images that they had just seen. They were overcome by, by, you know, just like the weight of what was happening. And today is a day like that for many of us. You are overcome by the weight of the coronavirus pandemic. You are overcome by isolation. You are overcome by, by anxiety or stress or frustration or fear or bills, or any number of things, and it could be today, or it could be any day, any time that our circumstances, like just, they, they feel like, like they're oppressing us, the angels remind the disciples who they are, and remind them of the words of Jesus, and the words of Jesus, the words of scripture, the power of our, of the Bible, cuts through the fog that confuses us, cuts through the, the haze of doubt, of emotion, of our circumstance, and reminds us of what is true. 
And it says that they remembered his words. Each of us need to remember the words of Jesus that he spoke to us the day that we first believed, the day that we, every day since that we have read his word that promises us things, that tells us who we are, that declares that we are victorious, that says that our circumstances and our life is not what we see or what people say that it is, but instead what he has done on the cross and what he has accomplished through the resurrection. Jesus is risen from the grave and has set in motion the restoration of all creations. And as Christians, as Christians, the linchpin of our faith, the linchpin of our faith is that Jesus actually physically resurrected, that he came back from the dead. It is not symbolic. It is not symbolic. This matters. It matters a lot because the actual physical resurrection of Jesus is what breaks the curse of death. And it sets in motion the last piece of the redemption story that we've been talking about that will ultimately restore all creation back to its original state and purpose. And without the resurrection, it would not be possible. You could pay for sin and we could be set free, but we will die and we will be there forever. We will just consider, just be dead. We cannot be changed. We can't become something new because of Jesus's resurrection, because he conquered it. He gets to set in motion the restoration of all things. Without it, none of it would be possible. And the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of redemption. It is the center cornerstone piece. It is the, it is the linchpin of it, both for mankind and for the earth. Indeed, without Christ's resurrection and without that, what it means, which is an eternal future for fully restored human beings dwelling on a fully restored earth, there is no Christianity without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, we are a people marked first and foremost by the belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is who we are. That is what it means to be a Christian. That's why in the scriptures it says, for those who confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that he is raised from the dead, will be saved. It wasn't believe that he died on the cross. It was believe that he is raised from the dead. In fact, in the book of Acts, the power of the, of the gospel, all the miracles, everything that took place was to prove the resurrection. They went into a town and they said, hey, this man, Jesus, who you heard about, who they crucified, he's alive and I'll prove it by healing you. That's the linchpin of our faith, the physical, actual resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that belief that we celebrate on Easter is the beginning steps of Jesus setting in motion what was about to unfold. Revelation 21.5, where he says, look, I am making everything new. Because of the resurrection, he's making everything new. And so what I want to do for the little time that we have left today is I want to talk about three things that the resurrection of Christ set in motion. One of them we experience now. Two, we were working towards experiencing. The resurrection of Christ sets in motion. The first thing is a restored identity. A restored identity. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, you guys know this, he is a what? New creation. If anyone is in Christ, 
He is a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come, right? This is the first thing, a restored identity. We are people who are the same individuals. I'm still Jared, you're still you, but each one of us now are are made new. We have been risen with Christ, it says. Paul says that when Christ rose from the dead, that we too have been raised with him into new life, which means that our past is gone, the things that held us back, the things that separated us because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, we are new inside. Our spirit has been renewed, has been restored. Becoming a new creation, though, sounds as if it involves a radical change. And it does involve a radical change in our lifestyle and our perspective. But though we become new people when we come to Christ, we still remain the same people. We're still the same people, just new. Conversion into a relationship with Christ does not mean eliminating the old. It just means that you're transforming it, that we become something different. And despite the radical changes that occur through salvation, through death, and through the resurrection, we remain who we are. We are still the same people with our personalities and our likes and our dislikes and our passions. But who we are and how we see things has been changed. We have the same history. We have the same appearance. We have the same memory. We have the same interests, the same skills. And this is the principle of something that's called redemptive continuity. Redemptive continuity. We have been redeemed, but we're transformed. We are not the, I always had a hard time with this as a kid. I was like, wait a minute, well, I'm a new creation. I can't be the same person, but I still like heavy metal. I still like fiction. I still like watching action movies. Like, does that mean I can't anymore? No. When you come to Christ, who you are is still intact. But you have been, all the gaps, all the brokenness is filled in. You have been restored and your identity, your identity has been restored as a child of God in a right relationship with him. And God will not scrap his old creation and start over. Instead, he will take this fallen, corrupted creation, this child that we are, and restore it, refresh, and renew us to our original design. And so when you see people who just seem like they're the picture of Jesus on earth, that's because they have gotten so close with him over time that he's begun to transform them piece by piece by piece. And if you can look in them, people can look at you and almost like they see Jesus, but a personality reflected of you in that, that's the restored identity that took place because of the resurrection of Jesus. He set in motion the resurrection of our Lord, the actual physical resurrection, conquers death and sets in motion our restored identity. And that's what we can experience now. We're already beginning to experience that. And it's clear that it's not a finished project. Okay, this is not done, right? This is something that will happen until the Lord returns and he finishes it all. But we are already getting the tastes of it. The things that happen in your life, if you look back and you go, before I met Jesus, I was way different or just a little bit different. In those areas, that's where you're beginning to see how Jesus is restoring your identity to be who you truly are in a relationship with him. The second thing that Christ set in motion through the resurrection was not just a restored identity, but this one is he's going to set into motion restored bodies. And this is, this is different. And for some of you, if this is the first time you're hearing about this, this might be like a, a mind jump for you. Because, But this is something that, again, Paul, the apostle, and the disciples like hammered on, this idea of the resurrection of the dead, the actual bodies. The Bible talks about 
that at the end, in the end, where every single person who uh, you know has lived forever, all from the past, every person who will live until the time when Jesus returns, that there will be a resurrection of our bodies and they will be changed because we're going to live on earth. So here's the thing. I grew up thinking that I was going to spend the rest of my life, like the rest of eternity in heaven. And that's not biblical. The Bible actually talks about, I don't want to like steal the thunder from my last point. The Bible actually talks about that there is a new heaven and a new earth coming. Okay. And then we're going to live there. Right. So how can you do that if you don't have a, like a, a body? Right. And so the Bible actually talks about a restored body, a, a body where your, where your brokenness, right? The sicknesses and the diseases and the, and the overweightness and the, the scars and all the things that we hate about ourselves that we struggle with, they will be removed. We will be perfected, right? That's coming. Now listen to this. In 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 15, you can read about this. I'm not going to read out of 1 Corinthians 15, but there's a lot about the resurrection of, of our bodies in, in 1 Corinthians 15. But Revelation 20 I want to read Revelation 20, verse 20 and to 22. And it's going to kind of talk a little bit about this. I'm sorry, wait, this might actually, I think this one actually here is from 1 Corinthians 15. But as it is, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20. But as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. First fruits meaning like, um, like the first of your, so when you give a tithe, and you take it out first before you pay any bills, that's the first fruits. The first of your fruit is given to something. Jesus is saying, or what we're seeing here in this passage, is that Jesus' resurrection is the first of what we're going to be participating in too, of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For just as all in Adam die, the curse, right? Because of what took place in the very beginning of Scripture that teaches us that the curse of of life was on death and sin had, had, had destroyed our relationship with God. Just as all in Adam die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. Because of Jesus on the cross, not only do we have, and because of the resurrection of Jesus in from the, from the grave, not only do we have a restored identity, but one day we're promised that our bodies will be raised and restored and perfected without blemish, without scars, without all of those kinds of things. This is the great hope beyond life. I talk to people all the time, particularly older people, in, in, or, or people who, who struggle with chronic illness or chronic pain, and they suffer from it. And they say, but I thought that when I come to know Jesus, I thought that by his stripes we are healed. I thought that, that I had a promise of being healed from these things. And what I say is, no, the hope that we have in Christ is that no matter what happens in this life, we are promised a restored body in, in the future for the rest of eternity. And so if you think about billions and billions and billions of years, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years is just a flash in the pan. And that's a hard perspective. But as Christians, we're called citizens of heaven, citizens of eternity. We need to think with a long-term eternal perspective. And when you do, it gives you the ability to see beyond it. And um, there is this... There's this uh, kind of a quote, I think it was from Corey Ten Boom, I think, that says this, inside your body, even if it is failing, so your body right now, even if your body is failing you right now, inside of it is the blueprint for your resurrection body. Inside of your body now, even if it is failing, is the blueprint for your resurrection body. You may not be satisfied with your current body or mind, 
but you will be thrilled with your resurrection upgrades. With them, you'll be better able to glorify God, to serve him, and enjoy an eternity of wonders that he has prepared for you. What that means is, like we said in the restored identity, you are not a different person. You are the same person. You are being transformed and being made new. Okay. The same thing is true of your body is that right now you don't, maybe you don't feel like it is right. It's broken or it's failing you, but when it is restored, it will be returned to its original intent and purpose. You will still be you, but you will no longer be suffering from those types of problems and chronic things and illnesses. And that is a great hope that we have not only a restored identity, but a restored body set in motion because of Jesus rising from the grave. If you want to read more on that, check out 1 Corinthians 15 and Revelation 20. I'm happy to talk more with you about this. This is something I get it. It's kind of like a mind-bending concept, and it takes faith to believe it. But this is the linchpin of our faith, the resurrection of Christ, and therefore the resurrection of us. And finally... Not only did Christ set in motion a restored identity and a restored body, but he is setting in motion the fulfillment of all things which will become to its completion in a restored heaven and earth. And in 2 Peter chapter 3, we're not going to read there, but we are going to read out of Revelation 21. So again, if you want more scripture to dive in and learn and study this stuff, and I encourage you to do that, go to 2 Peter 3. And we're going to read out of Revelation chapter 21 where we get a picture of what it looks like. We're going to be reading here in verse 1. Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven, and I saw a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. What we see in 2 Peter 3 is that it talks about that there's a changing again. It's not like a, boop, this one's gone, and boop, this one's back. Like, it's a transformation that takes place. A transformation, a restoration. The old heaven, the first heaven and earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And then he says, I see the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. And then I heard a loud voice from the throne. This is Jesus. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. This is a restoration back to what it was like in the garden where they walked with God in the garden. They will be his people. God himself will be with them and they will be, he will be their God. And this is what we get to promise, the transformation of what the earth is like, the transformation of our bodies, the transformation of our identity. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Why? Because Jesus defeated death on the cross and on through his resurrection. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief crying, pain, anxiety, depression, cancer, disease, sickness, isolation, fear, doubt, all of these things will be no more because the previous things have passed away. And here it is. Then the one seated on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. I love it. It's powerful. And so when I hear people and, and see people, myself included, get wrapped up in what we are facing today. And then we say to them, like as pastors or like even Aubrey last week, just like, like 
declared, like we need to be people that remember that we are people of victory, right? That we have hope and there is something to be joyful. But when I when we say that, sometimes it feels like it just falls on deaf ears, right? And I think some of it is because we don't have this proper perspective. You know, like that's why I felt like it was really important to teach this today. Not just the, hey, because of the of new life. No, like it's so important for us to understand the significance of the actual physical resurrection of Jesus because if he didn't actually physically rise from the dead then there is no restored identity there is no restored body there is no restored heaven and earth and we are stuck just being set free but not ever being able to participate in any of it sin was paid for but we've got no way to walk out of the prison cell instead now we get to be restored Back to, back to the, just the, the perfection of what our life was meant to be lived like. I think it's so powerful. The new earth will still be earth, but it'll be a changed earth. It will be converted. It's going to be resurrected, but it will still be earth and it'll be recognizable as such. And just as those reborn through salvation maintain continuity with the people that they were, so too the world will be reborn in continuity with the old world. The physical resurrection of Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of redemption. The physical resurrection of Jesus broke the curse of sin and death and set in motion the restoration of all creation back to its original state and purpose through a restored identity, through a restored body, and through a restored heaven and earth. And so today our final thought is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. On the cross, Jesus finished his mission. Through the resurrection, he began setting everything right. On the cross, Jesus finished his mission. Through the resurrection, he began setting everything right. Would you close your eyes as we pray? Jesus, we want to give you the proper honor and credit that is due here. It takes faith. I mean, that's the, that's the beginning of our faith, right? Is declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord, believing that he rose from the dead. It takes faith to do that. And I challenge each one of you this morning. In light of that, that is the criteria to be called a child of God, to receive his grace and mercy. I challenge you to declare that out loud or even just under your breath or even just internally. It doesn't matter. God knows it. Confess with your mouth. Jesus is Lord. Lord meaning in charge of all things. The cosmic Christ, as they call it. He is, he is above all things. John chapter 1 says, in the beginning, the word was with God. The word was God. It describes this concept that, that Jesus, not the one that, that was on earth, he just emptied himself and poured himself into humanity. But prior to that, he was in and with and was above all things. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, that is Lord. Declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that he is risen from the dead and you will be saved. I believe that. I believe in the actual physical resurrection of Jesus Christ and through it, that I have a restored identity. 
that one day I will have a restored body and that the glimpses of it will be seen today. That when I pray for my, my colds to go away, when I pray for someone who is sick and they get well, that is glimpses of the eternal redemption and restoration of our bodies coming today. They were pieces of it, aspects of it. So keep praying, church. Keep praying. Keep believing. But know that even if what you need and desire doesn't come today or in your lifetime, you are promised a restored body. You are promised and it is coming. And a restored earth, a new earth, a place that is not sick with earthquakes and smog and, and disease, a place that is restored. God, we look forward to that. I believe it. I thank you for what you have done. And I pray that this Easter Sunday would be one that is marked by belief in the resurrection, that we would live our lives now moving forward every single day, reminding ourselves that because Jesus Christ is alive, that so are we, and that we have access to the throne room, that we know him, that we can hear from him, that we can receive his power in our lives now, and that we can have the greatest hope of all, that is, no matter what happens to us today, or tomorrow, or any time in this life, that we have hope for a restoration in its fullness and completeness when you return. <clears throat> we thank you. We praise you. Thank you for your redemptive mission. Father, thank you for sending Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.